everybody and welcome to another episode of Fusion Underground. This is actually number 58 and here at the Fusion Underground what we try to do is we try to make sense of the world by having principled discussions about such topics as entertainment, current events, politics, and culture. Our mission is to educate people to become critical thinkers so they can live more empowered and happier lives. As always I'm your host Manuel Ramirez and unfortunately today I am not joined in the virtual studio by Jason Moret uh, with the the 4th of July weekend and um, a sick child on his hands uh, it just wasn't able to wasn't able to happen so our apologies for that but we are making a commitment to um, publish these episodes once a week so here I am flying solo today. So we'll see how this goes. Not really sure how it's going to turn out. Um, it's very weird doing the show without Jason. So we'll just have to make do. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to do a, um, a special edition maybe later this week. Uh, I know Jason has some really cool ideas on what he would like to talk about, some topics. I think they're pretty, pretty darn cool. So we're going to record those and get those out. I hope everybody had a wonderful 4th of July weekend. You'll be listening to this or when you can actually download this particular episode and listen to it, it will be July 6th. So it's after the 4th of July weekend. So hopefully everybody had a um, safe and wonderful uh, weekend. Um, of course, before I get into it, um, you know, liberal, liberal Twitter was um, quite fascinating as they always are during such holidays that celebrate things that directly attack postmodernism, such as the 4th of July. Uh, there were, for example, Cori Bush. I don't know if everybody is familiar with Cori Bush. She is a congresswoman. She's a, she's a member of the House of Representatives there in Washington, D.C., one of the three uh, branches of our government. And of course, she waited no time on July 4th to tweet out. This is what she tweeted. When they say that the 4th of July is about American freedom, remember this. The freedom they're referring to is for white people. This land is stolen land and black people still aren't free. This is from a member of Congress. Now, I have some very basic questions, as you might have, hearing this from, from Cori Bush. First of all, who believes this crap? And if you believe this crap, why do you believe it? This was tweeted out. Cori Bush is a black woman who is a member of the United States Congress. And yet she says that black people are not free. Then please explain to me how this woman was elected to the United States Congress. She is literally one of the people who makes laws in this land. She is literally one of the people who has a direct say, or at least direct influence, in how this nation progresses forward through time. And yet, she believes that the United States is an oppressive country toward Blacks. Now, maybe she really doesn't believe this. Maybe she's just grifting here. Because after all, we have we had a year of Black Lives Matter. There's a tremendous amount. The race hustlers are out there hustling. And perhaps she doesn't, maybe she doesn't actually believe this. 
I don't know what goes through her mind or how she actually thinks. Maybe she's just signaling to everybody that uh, to all of her black constituents. But it is quite amazing. She is worth a little over $2 million. That's what her net worth is. She makes $174,000 a year as a member of the House of Representatives. She was elected in a district that is about 49% white people, which means quite a bit of white people voted for her. And again, she is a member of Congress, and yet she thinks that the United States is a terrible country for people who are not white. This is just nonsensical. You know, I tweeted out yesterday that the 4th, that the 4th of July is not about an ending. The signing of the Declaration of Independence was not the ending of something, but it was the beginning of something. And every 4th of July, it's a reminder to us, the holiday itself is a reminder to us about how precious and how fragile liberty actually is. Ronald Reagan said that liberty is only about one generation away from being destroyed. Paraphrasing there. Liberty can, freedom, the freedoms that you have can be absolutely wiped out within a single generation. And so the 4th of July is not just the birthday of the United States, but it's a reminder to reaffirm ourselves to that to that concept of liberty, of which the vast amount of humanity has never experienced. This is a very new phenomenon within, within human history. Most societies have lived under oppressive rule. Most societies have had tyrannical dictatorships that they've lived under. And yet here we have the United States now, many people say we live in a democracy. Now, we can have a debate on how much of a democracy that actually is, representative republic. I get all of that. But there are certain freedoms that exist that we have. And somebody like Cori Bush, if she truly was oppressed, one, she would never have been able to be elected to Congress. Two, she never would have been able to say such words about her country publicly. Do you believe, do you think for a second that the people of, the, of North Korea can actually say such a thing about the regime in, under which they live? They would be, they would be killed if, if at, at worst or sent to a gulag, depending on, your, depending on your preference. Going to the gulag probably is a lot worse than just death. At least when you're, at least if you were, killed outright, there is no suffering. But if you live in a socialist communist state, you cannot speak out against your, against your government. And yet here, Cori Bush, as a member of that government, she, she is allowed to speak out against it. All right. So changing gears here, there's, um, there's a rapper. He's actually English. He's British. His name is Zuby. I've followed Zuby for about a year or two now. He's a black man, black rapper, black British, uh, black British man. And one of the things that I like about Zuby is he's a, he's self-made. He worked hard to get where he is. He's not a household name by any stretch of the imagination, but he is quite successful. He's, he's very successful in building building his brand, building up Zuby music, as he calls it. I've never really listened to his music. I'm not a fan of rap, um, but I don't have to be in order to follow him. I like his outlook on life. He's very positive. He's very upbeat. He's a, he's a man that embraces personal responsibility. He's a man who embraces rational thinking, at least trying to, striving to do such a thing. And so over the weekend, he published, he tweeted out this thread on, on Twitter. And the first one was titled, was titled 20 things I've learned or had confirmed about humanity during the pandemic. 
and this is great. So I wanted to share this, share this with everybody and kind of walk through it. The first of the first things that Zuby learned here, and I agree with I agree with everything that that Zuby has posted here. And we'll get into that. So the first thing here is most people would rather be in the majority than be right. Most people would rather be in the majority than be right. Peer pressure is a damn thing. Peer, peer pressure is a tremendous drug for most people. And peer pressure will force, will get people to participate in things that they really don't want to participate in. But they would rather be part of the majority than be right. And if you take this to extremist, to extremist ends, it can become very frightening. We saw this throughout history where, where groups of people murdered minority groups of people. I'm not talking about minority in terms of skin. It could be minority in terms of ideology, in terms of belief systems, etc. But when a majority of people, when, when people start murdering other people, it becomes very, uh, very easy for people to just jump in to be part of the majority so that they can avoid being murdered themselves. It takes a tremendous amount of strength to stand up against the majority of people. And even if we don't look at it in terms of extremist views, in terms of murder, most people don't want to be part of a minority because then they feel they're outcast. They feel they're ostracized. And as social beings, which is a lot of who we are, we are social beings, we want to belong to things. And we want to belong to things that are greater than ourselves. So it becomes very easy for us to abandon any principles or values that we may have. It becomes very easy for us to abandon even simply the truth so that we can be on the same side as the mob. Number um, number two here that he's that he has is at least twenty percent of the population has strong authoritarian tendencies, which will emerge under the right conditions. I actually believe this is more. Just in my own studies of psychology, I believe that this is actually most people. I believe the vast majority of people have strong authoritarian tendencies, and that those tendencies will emerge under the right conditions. Absolutely. I think his I think his percentage is extremely low. I would say this is almost everybody in the population has extreme author, strong author, authoritarian tendencies. And if you don't think so, there are a lot there are a lot of psychological studies that that uh, offer evidence that uh, show that you're likely wrong. That even people who absolutely thought that they would never be an authoritarian or never follow authorita authoritarian rules. Or, or orders, they've acquiesced. Now, maybe, maybe, maybe there's an argument to say that the vast majority of people are really people who go along with the authoritarian rules and dictates and that sort of thing. And that there's a, and that maybe Zuby is correct. That maybe twenty percent of the people are those who want to be authoritarianists authoritarians that could be that that could very well be that might be sorry my phone rang there for a second so we, what we've noticed and zuby zuby uh talking about this in his in his tweets here we have seen this we have seen that over the last year, there are a tremendous amount of people who have wielded the little power that they do have to subjugate other people to their will. We've seen this with a number of a number of governors who have created crazy rules and laws to keep people in their homes, to keep people away from their jobs because of COVID. Number three here by Zuby says, fear of death is only rivaled by the fear of social disapproval. The latter could be stronger. 
I think this kind of ties into number one, where people would rather be in the majority than be right. But people would rather people people would rather die. He's what what he's saying here is people would rather die than than suffer social disapproval. And again, as social animals, we want to belong. We want to be part of that. Uh, that's 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 quite a thing to say that the vast majority of people or most people would rather die than be socially ostracized. I don't think most people would be able to handle um, being socially ostracized. Number four, propaganda is just as effective in the modern day as it was 100 years ago. Access to limitless information has not made the average person any wiser. Well, part of this is because we we allow ourselves or we focus our attention on on our confirmation bias. We look for things that confirm what we already believe. And so it's very easy to fall prey to propaganda in that sense. Because when propaganda is designed to convince you of things that you already believe, well, then it's very easy to fall prey to that propaganda. And despite having pretty much a limitless information at our fingertips, most people will actively uh, ignore data that contradicts their beliefs. Most people don't want to see that data that contradicts their beliefs because then that creates a sense of cognitive dissonance that they just can't handle. Most people get so caught up in their beliefs, whether they be religious beliefs or political beliefs, that they get so caught up in the belief that they, they in essence, they no longer, they don't necessarily believe it anymore, but they believe in the belief. They believe so strongly in the belief. I'll give you an example. Um, there are many people on the left who believe that conservatives hate minorities. Despite minorities actually being conservatives. And yet, even though there is tremendous amount of evidence that contradicts that belief, so much evidence of conservatives standing up for minority rights, you think, well, well what, exa what, what example do you have an example, Manuel, of conservatives standing up for minority rights? I'll give you a perfect one. Freedom of speech. The smallest minority is the minority of one. The minority of the individual. As a conservative, we don't necessarily have to look at, at minorities as being Blacks or Hispanics or Asians. We don't have to look at minorities as being Jews or Muslim in a country that is predominantly Christian or in growing more and more secular every day. The greatest majority that we see as conservatives or that as I see as a conservative is the is is the minority of the individual. Again, because even that, even that singular individual, maybe the entire country believes contrary to what that individual does, but that individual still has rights. And so that individual needs to be defended. At least their rights need to be defended. And that's where conservative conservatism comes into play. That even the individual, that one person against the storm, that they have a right to be able to speak their mind. But despite knowing that, there are people that they will disregard any kind of evidence, any kind of data that shows that conservatives support minorities and try to protect minorities. Because they believe so strongly in the belief that conservatives are against minorities. Number five, anything and everything can and will be politicized by the media, government, and those who trust them. Ask yourself, do you know somebody who is like this? Do you know somebody that makes anything and everything into a political issue? And then ask yourself, are they, are they the type of person who believes in the sanctity of government? Government... Are, it's an amazing thing when I look out into the into our country. How so? How tens of millions of people 
have replaced religious belief with a religious belief in the government. The government is this all-powerful entity from which all rights come from. And that they will defend that government and they will turn things political at every opportunity. And quite honestly, these people get just so exhausting. I, can, I, don't, I don't understand how it is to live that way. You might be thinking, well, Manuel, you're doing a show here and you're talking about politics. Yeah, because I'm doing a show talking about politics. But I don't go around, I don't spend the vast majority of my day thinking about politics. I don't go around looking for, looking for all of the political ideology that exists and everything that crosses my path. I spend the majority of my day working and doing things that I enjoy because I just don't want to be bothered and bogged down by thinking about political ideology all the time, especially my own political ideology. And yet there are people who will politicize everything. And if you're a fan of pop culture, then you've probably seen this. We've talked about it on the show. How now even critics or fans in all of these different things, whether it be Lord of the Rings or comic books or various animation, anime cartoons, or et cetera, how uh, there are creators now that are injecting their politics into all of these different things. Things like Star Wars and all kinds of other stuff. And what's happening? is they're turning people off from those properties because there are a large number of people who don't want to politicize everything. They want to enjoy the things that they enjoy. They want, they want to take their pop culture. They want to take their sports. Hell, just over the, over the weekend, we had uh, members of the women's national soccer team kneel during the national anthem. where we have politics being injected. And of course they were wearing Black Lives Matter t-shirts on the field during the national anthem and then knelt. So we have, we have politics being injected into everything. And yet into all of these different things that most Americans just want to be able to escape, want to be able to enjoy that, those things and escape from politics. I would love to be able to watch the women's soccer team perform. And just be able to cheer on my fellow country, countrymen, countrywomen, I guess. But they make it so difficult because they're injecting politics into everything. Number six here, many politicians and large corporations will gladly sacrifice human lives if it is conducive to their political and financial aspirations. I think he's, I think he's on, he's definitely on to some, I mean, if nothing else, absolutely from a, pol from a political standpoint. Politicians absolutely will gladly sacrifice human lives. The politicians making these rules about COVID, about which types of businesses can open, which ones cannot be opened, dictating how they can be opened. They don't care whether or not their rules are destroying livelihoods, destroying the lives that people have spent years building. These politicians don't care. from the very large corporations, it's very possible. I mean, in some, there are some corporations that do well, that do good things for their customers and for, uh, for the communities in which they reside. There are a number of, of, of corporations that strive to do that. And yes, there are some corporations that do take advantage of everything that they can. The question becomes, are those corporations heavily involved in politics or not? There might, be, uh, there might be a correlation there. Seven, most people believe the government acts in the, mo in the best interests of the people, even many who are vocal critics of the government. Do you believe this? Do you believe that the government acts in the best interests of the people? Now, I think Zuby does, I think, I don't say that, I don't think Zuby's wrong. I think most people, I think most people, again, believe in the belief that the government acts in the best interest of the people. I think most people, they want to believe in that belief. There are, there, and there certainly are people who believe that the government acts uh, 
in the best interests of people, that they truly do believe that. They truly do believe that people act in, that the government is is sort of this, you know, benevolent entity. I don't believe for a second that the government acts in the best interests of the of the people. Because all I have to do is watch how the government behaves. I don't need some sociological study to tell me that. I just have to I just have to observe it. I can observe it and I can see that the government does not act in the best interest of the people. Because if they were acting in the best interest of the people, they would not be doing the things that they're doing. If the government truly believed, if the government truly acted in our best interest, then they wouldn't be spending us into oblivion, for starters. Is it in our best interest for us to spend our dollars the way we want to spend them? Or is it in the best interest of us for the government to spend dollars in the way that we don't want our dollars spent? The government spends an exorbitant amount of energy to tax us and then spend our money in ways that the government wants to spend money, not necessarily in our best interest, just in the sheer act of the government dispensing tax funds and choosing the types of things that it spends money on tells me that they have no in, that they're not acting in my best interest. Besides, it's very, very difficult for the government, for any government to act in the best interests of the people. Because that, because by doing so, you have to try to then please everybody 100% of the time. And that's just impossible to do. So when the government acts and they say that they're acting in the best interest of the people, what they're, what they're acting in is they're acting to the lowest common denominator. They can't, it's impossible for the government to act in the best, best interest of all the people. There are over 300 million people in the United States alone. There's not a single, there's not a single action that everybody would approve of, even if it were in their best interest. So the government does, the government behaves in such a way to further its own ends, not to act in the interest of, of the best interest of the people. The first rule, and I've said this before many times on the show, that the first rule of a politician is to get reelected. The first rule of a politician is not to act in your best interest. Because there are so many things that if they acted in your best interest, you would not reelect them. Because most people want free stuff. And so politicians, if they're going to give you free things, not necessarily acting in your best interest. Number eight, once they have made up their mind, most people would rather commit to being wrong than admit they were wrong. This is a, this is a tremendous thing. Zubi is not wrong here. This is, um, there's a tremendous amount of psychological and sociological evidence that backs this up, that most people, once they've committed themselves, that they will double down and triple down on being wrong than just simply admit that they were wrong to begin with. Or they will, yeah, they will commit to being wrong. They will double down and triple down in being wrong rather than admit to being wrong. And again, that's a dangerous thing. It's a very dangerous thing. Because what are they being wrong about? That's what you have to ask, ask yourself. Are they being wrong? Are they doubling down on how they're educating children? Are they, being, are they doubling down on how drugs get approved in this country? Are they doubling down on uh, how we defend our borders or how we don't defend our borders? Number nine, humans can be trained and conditioned quickly and relatively easily to significantly alter their behaviors for better or worse. Uh, there's, a, there's a book by um, Cass Sunstein. I think he was one of the, I think he was a co-author. He actually served in uh, Obama's administration. Um, he's a psychologist. I think he's a, I think he's does, he's definitely a leftist, definitely embraces the, the Marxist ideology, but he wrote a book called Nudge, where he outlines that it's very easy to train and condition people in very small, subtle ways. 
to so that you can alter, you can change their behavior. So you nudge them. You create little policies, little changes to slightly alter people's behavior. And we use the tax, our government uses the tax system for this all the time. If you want less of a thing, tax it. If you want more of a thing, reduce taxes on it. They're very simple. I mean, there are different, there are hundreds of other ways that you can nudge people to quickly condition them and change and modify their behaviors. But the tax system is one way to do so. Uh, number 10, when sufficiently frightened, most people will not only accept authoritarianism, but demand it. And this is absolutely true. We saw this during the COVID pandemic. People were so terrified. They even wanted their fellow Americans to be arrested if they did not comply. Think about that. There were people on social media calling for the arrest of other people, of their fellow Americans who didn't want to wear, wear masks. Or who were, uh, there were many reports, many news stories of, of neighbors calling the police on their fellow neighbors because their fellow neighbors hosted a party. And they were so terrified that the party was going to lead to a, uh, an outbreak event that they were calling the cops. And not only just calling the cops just to simply break it up, but they were calling the cops and they wanted their fellow Americans arrested. They wanted them to go to prison, go to jail. Number 11, people who are dismissed as conspiracy theorists are often well-researched and simply ahead of the mainstream narrative. Now, I think, I think there's a lot of context missing here. I think this is probably the only one that I don't really agree nor disagree with Zuby on. Uh, some conspiracy theorists are complete and total, totally out there. Um, others are seen to be conspiracy theorists and tend to be right on the ball. I think I think what Zuby is doing here, and I, I mean, I don't mean to speak for Zuby. He's a grown man and can speak for himself. But I think he's referring to a lot of the things around that happened around Trump and around the election. There were a lot of people that said, um, you know, Biden, Biden was involved in um, Hunter Biden's business dealings. All of that is starting to come out as being true. There were people who were saying that there was voter fraud of epic proportions. And a lot of that now is coming out to be true. Not only here in Arizona, but also in places like Pennsylvania in uh, Georgia. But those people were touted as were sort of dismissed as conspiracy theorists. So I think it's those types of situations that Zuby is referring to here. Number 12, most people value safety and security more than freedom and liberty, even if said safety is merely an illusion. And that is absolutely the case. We saw many people, we saw millions of people across this country last year uh, willingly throw away their freedom just so they could feel safe. Millions of people donning crazy masks and outfits to go to the grocery store. Despite the fact that the CDC was contradicting itself every other day. People were willing to lock themselves in their homes to gain a false sense of security. Number 13, hedonic adaptation occurs in both directions and once inertia sets in, it is difficult to get people back to normal. Absolutely. In many regards, there is a new normal. Masks are a new normal in this country. We never saw, nobody ever wore masks before. Now, for the most part, here in Arizona, I don't see far too many people wearing masks anymore. But there are, I do see them from time to time. I do see some. But the vast majority of people are not wearing masks. But there are people that I do see wearing masks and it's no big deal anymore. And so I think those types of things are going to continue. And now that governments have had their taste of, of authoritarianism and they were able to get away with it because 
all of these people, millions of people, tens of millions of people who were terrified out of their gourd said, yes, oppress me. Oppress us because we're terrified. So they willingly gave up their freedom. And so now we have the media starting to run crazy, terrifying stories again. Stories about different variants. Now there's a Lambda variant coming out of, uh, is it Peru or something like that? Originally they were saying, well, these there were some of these, I think there was a Delta variant. If I'm not mistaken. And and the these other variants were protected by the vaccine. Well, now not so much anymore. Now the Lambda variant, the Lambda variant, apparently, according to media reports, is resistant to vaccines. So again, terror, fear, calamity is ready to strike all over again. And so these people, the tens of millions of people across our nation who willingly give up freedom, guess what they're going to do? They're going to go right back to the government of which they praise, of which they believe that works in their best interest, and they're going to demand to be oppressed. Don't forget the words that I saw that I said earlier about how the Fourth of July is should be a reaffirmation about what liberty means for us. Fourteen, a significant percent of people thoroughly enjoy being subjugated. They do. If they are willingly calling to be oppressed, then they must enjoy it. Number fifteen, the science has evolved. The science he has in quotes. The science has evolved into a secular pseudo religion for millions of people in the West. This religion has little to do with science itself. There's a difference between science and scientism. I actually want to do a show on, on here about that difference. Because most of what we see in social media, most of what, when people are talking about follow the science, believe the experts, what they're talking about is the belief in scientism. They're not talking about science itself. Science is very difficult to do. It's very difficult. It's... Um, it's very um, time-consuming. It's very methodical. It takes a lot of, it, it takes people thinking about a lot of different things to be successful. And more often than not, because you're looking at, when, when you're doing a scientific experiment, what most people don't realize is as a scientist, you're really just trying to move the needle of understanding just a, just a fraction of a, of a distance. You know, we tend to think that science works in these, in these mystical ways where just tremendous amounts, tremendous leaps of, of scientific knowledge gets generated. That's not often the case. I mean, it, it happens, but it's more rarity than it is the, the norm. Most scientific experiments, they do, they do these experiments, scientists will do these experiments, and they're learning just a tiny fraction of new information. And why is that? Well, because you have to control all the different variables. And if you have too much, if you, if you have too much information to take away, and if you're, if you're looking for these big bang discoveries, then you you don't, it's hard to determine, was that just a fluke? Was it a, was it some other interference from some other variable we weren't controlling? So you have to control for all of these different scenarios so that you only look and test a very small part of your experiment, which means at the end of the day, you might learn something, but you're learning something infinitesimally small in the large grand scheme of things. Imagine if you were writing a book and we had to do it in a very methodical, very quantitatively designed way, very scientific way. You would spend an exorbitant amount of time reading other books. You would design some kind of experiment. You would run your experiment. So you might take a year or two years just to get to a point where you are now ready to conduct your experiment in writing your book and you would create one word. You would write one word. Out of a five, 600 page novel that you're trying to write. This is the equivalent. This is what science is like. Science is trying, when you're studying the a scientific phenomenon, 
you're trying to write a novel in, a, in essence, trying to understand the full breadth and picture and depth of that phenomenon. And every experiment you do, you're writing one word at a time. And every experiment could take years. So it's going to take an exorbitant amount of time for you to finish that novel. But yet we believe, but people who believe in scientism, who confuse science with scientism, they just think, oh, you just sit down, you write the book in a day and it's done. And they have no idea what goes into that. Number 16, most people care more about looking like they are doing the right thing rather than actually doing the right thing. I see this a lot, not only just in terms of politics and just society, but also in organizations that people often, there, there are a number of people that it's just about looking busy. Look, look, look busy, but look busy in the right way. Then that way people think you're actually doing, doing good, but you're not. 17, politics, the media, science, and the healthcare industries are all corrupt to varying degrees. Scientists and doctors can be bought as easily as politicians. Absolutely. Absolutely they can. You know, people have this religious belief. They have a belief in the belief of scientists and doctors. They think that these people are infallible. They think that these people uh, are unbiased. They're humans. They're human beings. Of course they have bias. Part of, the, part of the work and training of becoming a scientist and becoming a doctor is trying to control your own bias. And you can't. You can, you, can, you can try to control it to a certain degree, but you also have to recognize that the bias exists whether you can't reduce your bias to zero. You cannot. And the way that, the way that humans interpret data you can give one set of data, scientific data, to one scientist and the same data set to a different scientist. They can both interpret it and get different results and, and achieve different conclusions. That's their bias at play. Even if they go into it saying, I'm doing everything I can to reduce my bias. And scientists, let's face it, scientists like to eat. If you look at the way that science is done around the world, science is often done through grants. Well, you have to play a game in order to get a grant. You have to develop the right experiment to get a grant. You have to get an ex you have to develop an experiment that other people are willing to fund. If other people are not willing to fund your idea, guess what? You're not getting the money. So if you want to get funding so that you can do your work and you can eat, then there's great incentive for you to design an experiment or study something that the people giving you dollars want to see. These scientists and doctors are, are fallible. They make mistakes and sometimes they make them intentionally. 18, if you make people comfortable enough, they will not revolt. You can keep millions docile as you strip their rights by giving them money, food, and entertainment. This is a very easy lesson to learn. Just go back and study Rome. The most, of, most Romans were unemployed. Most Romans in ancient Rome, they did not provide for themselves. The state did. They lived under an emperor, for crying out loud. And emperors kept them entertained. One form of entertainment were, gladiator were gladiatorial combats. There were other types of entertainment going on. But they also kept them busy, occupied with, with religion. And there were festivals happening all the time, sponsored by the state. Because it kept people busy with other stuff. And they were comfortable. They were comfortable enough. So you didn't have to worry about the population rising up. Those emperors who did not keep the populace comfortable enough, well, they suffered consequences and they were often murdered because there was a weakness there. But if you keep the people comfortable enough, they don't pay attention. Most Americans don't pay attention about what's going on in politics. 
And yet those same people would likely be appalled at what happens in politics. And why are they, why are, do they not pay attention? Because they're comfortable enough where they don't need to. 19, modern people are overly complacent and lack vigilance when it comes to defending their own freedoms from government overreach. Of course, these are frogs being slowly boiled to death. Their freedoms are slowly being eroded away from them. And they just don't care. What is the one job that, that Congress has? What is the one job, their primary function? The primary function of Congress is to create laws. And yet every two years we go and we reelect members to Congress. We reelect the entire House of Representatives and we elect about a third of the Senate. Every two years we send politicians to Congress to write laws. And, every, and what is the definition of a law? By definition, a law tells the, the population or maybe a subset of the populace what they cannot do. Because if you do it, you break the law. So we, every two years, we elect our peers to go to Congress and create new laws. And by the sheer definition of creating those laws, they erode and take away our freedoms. But we don't care. Most people don't care. And most people utter the things that just make me want to cringe. They talk about do-nothing Congresses. Well, you know what? I want a do-nothing Congress. I want a Congress that only meets for about, oh, I don't know, three days out of the year. Because when Congress is in session, we're screwed. I want a do-nothing Congress because a do-nothing Congress means they're not, act they're not passing any laws. And when a Congress is not passing any laws, they're not reducing the liberties and freedoms of the American people. Whenever I hear the, whenever I hear people complain that we have a do nothing Congress, I'm like, that should not be a complaint. That should be celebrated. That's what you want. Our system of government was created in a way that it was, it was designed to be difficult to pass laws because the founding fathers of this nation knew that every time a law was passed, people's freedoms were taken away. Number 20, it is, it's easier to fool a person than to convince them that they have been fooled. I think Mark Twain said something like this. Memes is a perfectly, is a perfect way of, of showing this. We show how people are, can, are fooled all the time. And again, this goes down to be, this goes back to what Zuby talked about of being, uh, being wrong. Right. When you're when people are wrong, they often double down and triple down on being wrong rather than just admit that they were right. Well, when they're fooled, they do the same thing, right? It goes back to that whole that whole idea. Once you've fooled them, they can't you can't convince them. It's very difficult to convince them that they've been fooled. Because they don't want to look like a fool. Everybody wants to think, everybody likes to think of themselves as being intelligent, rational people. And for the most part, I think most people are. But it's also very difficult to think that, and we've talked about this numerous times in our show, how thinking is a very difficult and challenging thing for a, for a human being. We need to have other people around us for the most part. We need to have other people that we can bounce ideas off of, we can share ideas, and they can tell us how dumb we are. That's the great thing about this country. It should be the great thing about this country, and that is slowly being eroded because people are being canceled. People who speak out and talk about ideas in the in the open forum, uh, if somebody doesn't like their ideas, then they get canceled. Then you know, if somebody doesn't like those ideas, then those who don't who dislike those ideas, they search out, they seek out, and find ways to cancel them and destroy their lives because they don't like their ideas. Because when you share your ideas and you get those ideas out there, you can accidentally convince people that they were fooled. And most people don't want to be want, want to face that reality. Zuby had a 21st one. Bonus thought, 21. Most people are fairly compassionate and have good intentions. This is good. As a result, most people deeply struggle to understand that some people, including our leaders, can have malicious or perverse intentions. This is bad. I think deep down, I think people... 
our dark, I think there's a darkness inside humanity. But I think most people in the United States, they are compassionate. They do have empathy for their fellow man. They do have good intentions. They intend to do good. But remember, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. But I think we need to continue to cultivate that sense of that goodness that people want to do. I think the vast majority of people do want to do good. I think they do. They strive to do something that's good. They strive to make good deals in business. They strive to make good deals in terms of bartering with their fellow humans, interactions with their fellow humans. They want to be amicable, if nothing else. Nobody wants to, nobody wants to, you know, meet on the street at high noon and shoot each other down. They would rather try to solve problems and get along. I think most people do want to just simply get along. I think most people just simply want to be left alone. Most people want to be free to live their life as they see fit. These are things that I am fully on board with. But because people just simply want to be left alone and pursue their lives and pursue those things that bring them joy and bring them happy happiness. There are many people who don't realize that there are other people who operate with malicious intent, but we know this to be true. We have, we have numerous jails filled with people, numerous prisons filled with people who have operated with malicious intent. And then it's crazy for us to think about how there are people elected to very powerful positions who also operate with malicious intent. All right. So that's enough for us today. I'm going to end it on that note. Um, again, my apologies for having only half of the... Uh, of the hosting duties. I hope I did an okay job. I know it wasn't nearly as funny, probably, <laughs> given that it was just me and a lot of the uh, a lot of the stupidity happens because I have Jason to banter back and forth with, and uh, you know that was obviously missing. But uh, wanted to get the show out there. Hope you enjoyed it. As always, please um, feel free to send us uh, emails at contact at fusionunderground.net. You can find us on Twitter, Fusion Underground at. I don't even remember what it is now. Um, on Facebook, remember we're on Facebook. Just search for AZ Fusion Underground. You'll find us. Um, we're not doing the, the YouTube videos anymore, and there's a reason for that. My apologies. But, um, you know, I look at the metrics. We do have a lot of people viewing our videos, but they don't view the entirety of the, the episodes. So we're just not feeling that it's valuable to put it up there anymore. But the vast majority of people do listen to the show from beginning to end. And for that, I appreciate you. I love you. I hope you have a wonderful day. Remember, reaffirm liberty as always. Don't just do it on 4th of July. I hope everybody has a wonderful week. Take care, everybody.